Welcome aboard! We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime! Ready when you are, CB! Action! Welcome to Monoreal Radio, episode number 126. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. And welcome to What the February. Coming out of the year we just came out of where we said WTF a lot, we figured how better to jump into 2021 than to say What the February. This is going to be a very interesting month. This is going to be a collection of films where you kind of just say WTF over and over again. Some that you've never heard of before. Some you've only heard of in legend. Some you've been scrolling through Disney Plus. And, and you've you avoided went them. WTF. <laughs> That's kind of how we came to do this. Yes. Yeah, so we decided we were going to get started in style and really say WTF to start this little marathon here. And I'll be honest, when I thought I need somebody with the right kind of sense of humor to say WTF to Fuzzbucket, the first person I thought of was Scott from the Dyslexic Podcast. Welcome to Monoreal Radio. Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be on here. You both know how big of a fan I am of the podcast, and you both have been on mine, and I'm just so excited to talk about this movie, film abomination whatever you want to call it um (laughs) (laughs) and i just cannot wait to get into this discussion yeah i as soon as we knew that we were going to do this particular film like i said there i'm like there's a certain sense of humor that's required here (laughs) and i figured you were perfect and i said to sean i was like just be careful how you approach this when you ask scott if he would like to come on because we're pitching a month called what the february and we're gonna have to ask him to watch Fuzz Bucket, and I really wanted to make sure that you wanted to come on for this episode because the way that Sean conceptualized this, I was like, just just be careful in your approach here. <laughs> no, I was so ecstatic when you guys asked me because this was a movie when Disney Plus was announced, when they were announcing every title. I was going through, so excited reading it uh, a couple years ago, and then I saw that and I was like, I've never heard of this. I am concerned for anybody's well-being who has seen this and i as soon as you guys asked me i was like yes this gives me an excuse to watch it and this gives me an excuse to force my boyfriend to watch it with me <laughs> so before we get into fuzz bucket why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about the dyslexic podcast i would love to so the dyslexic podcast is a all-inclusive diverse theme park based podcast where we talk all things Disney, Universal, regional parks, that's Cedar Fair, Six Flags, even some local parks you may have never heard of before. Um, And we do different kind of episodes each week. We do um, hypothetical question episodes called What Would You Do? We do Theme Park Court, which are debate episodes. We do Home Park Hoedown episodes, which is where we get a guest on and we talk to them about the theme park they grew up going to around their home part or their hometown. And we do throwback episodes where we talk about our personal stories with past attractions. And uh, every January I do a contest called ultimate Imagineer, which just finished season two. And um, that is a competition where I have six contestants from around the country uh, and last season, Canada as well. They compete in a competition to create theme park attractions based on pop culture references that are drawn completely at random and then the listeners get to vote on who makes that so it's a kind of an amalgamation of all kind of 
theme park based topics, but its main focus is to make sure we give a voice to the people in the theme park and coaster enthusiast community who may not always get their voice heard as much. Scott does an awesome job, and we're going to link to all things dyslexic in our show notes so you can find him. Absolutely. Actually, we so we came on and we did a discussion with you. Wishes forever. Happily ever after. (laughs) And then I was back on with you again a few weeks ago to talk about the Nickelodeon Studios, and that was a lot of fun. That was one of my absolute favorite episodes. I've been waiting to make the Nickelodeon Studios episode for two years now and I was so excited that you offered to be on because it it has been such a difficult time trying to find people who have experienced attraction or either remember enough about it to talk about it because personally it's my favorite past attraction that has ever existed because I was a huge Nickelodeon kid surprisingly you know with a podcast called Dyslexic and Disney movies and everything but I was huge on Nickelodeon and that is my absolute favorite attraction so when you came on It was one of the funniest episodes I think we have ever done. Yeah, we laughed a lot in that episode. Now, the question is, are we going to laugh a lot tonight or are we just going to cry? That is what we are going to answer in just a moment. This episode is sponsored by Hidden Mickey Supply Co. Products include Disney and Pixar-inspired 3D straw charms and more. Listeners of Monoreal can get a 10% discount with the code MONOREAL10 at checkout. Visit Instagram and the Etsy shop and search for Hidden Mickey Supply Co. for all your straw charm needs. We meet Mikey, a young man getting ready to start junior high school as he is visited by his invisible friend Fuzzbucket. I said that out loud. Invisible because he stayed out after midnight. That's the explanation. While eating dinner, his mother and sister Stevie seem confused and concerned as Mikey speaks to Fuzzbucket, whom they cannot see. We also learn that their parents have a complicated marriage, to say the least. The next morning, his dad tries to get him to ditch his invisible friend, but Fuzzbucket follows Mikey to school and immediately people are concerned for him because he's talking to something that nobody can see. This invisible creature is tickling him in the office. So people are very concerned. After school, Mikey whips up a concoction to help make Fuzz Bucket visible. When his mother sees the mess that he made, she sends him to his room. But Mikey sneaks away to the treehouse outside of his bedroom window where Fuzz Bucket drinks the concoction and unfortunately becomes visible to all. After falling asleep while watching TV, Fuzz Bucket tells Mikey he needs to go home or else he risks disappearing forever. But Mikey wants to go with him back to his home in the middle of a field. As the night goes on, because now Mikey has taken off with Fuzzbucket, his parents grow concerned and call the police in hopes of finding him. After a night of searching, Mikey finds Fuzzbucket's home in a cave underneath that field. Meanwhile, his parents and police uh, continue the search for Mikey. Fuzzbucket tells Mikey, this is no place for a child, but they are still friends who were there for each other when they needed each other. Eventually, the search party finds Mikey, and they head home to see that Fuzzbucket has left gifts for his parents to help mend their relationship. 
So this is a made-for-TV movie from May the 18th, 1986. And it kind... Well, not not kind of... It really does feel like a made-for-TV film. I was 10 days old when that came out. Clearly, I was the best thing that came out of that month. Um, no, you posed the question before, are we going to laugh or are we going to cry? But... I feel like the question I'm really trying to answer is, are we supposed to be laughing with this or are we laughing at it? I'm going to defer to Scott first to answer that question. Are we laughing with it or at it? Now, I don't support bullying, but I felt like a bully this entire movie because all I could do was laugh at it and point and just continuously say obscenities that I cannot say on this show. But (laughs) um, it, it... it, it felt like a very special episode of it, like it felt like it felt like a pilot to me to a tv show honestly that like and this was like the very special episode of yeah it was like this is the very special episode of fuzz bucket and i'm like well it's unfortunate isn't it <laughs> yeah this this felt like something that never got picked up and finally saw the light of day because let's call it what it is this is a low budget alf knockoff right Mm -hmm. i mean that's that's basically what this is and yet it also feels i mean it feels like every after school special ever but the the way that it starts it almost feels like it's gonna be sort of like one of those safety videos that you're forced to watch in school of what not to do and how not to behave (laughs) i mean not for anything but i think if there is a cautionary tale of what not to make and what not to do for disney this should kind of be at the top of the list. I mean, right from the jump, it starts, I mean, it really does feel like an after-school special. The way that it starts with that, we all know it, that shot of the neighborhood with the with the crane that comes down and then it just lowers onto the house. I think every single movie in the 80s and 90s started this way, at, at least for this age group where, where you're focusing on like a... a school-aged child. Yeah, I think Frankenweenie did this too, and that had come out a few years prior to this. I think they kind of did the same thing with that utopic, anywhere USA sort of suburban setting. Well, that's kind of a Burton staple, but I'm thinking more of like just in terms of after-school special. Like, you come into the neighborhood, there's a kid riding the bike, house with the family that we're going to focus on it, it's like clockwork and that's about the best part of it yeah i mean i think suffice to say it basically all goes downhill from there you get the the et ripoff music in the very beginning yes i mean that that sounds like et but not nearly as good um and then you get this very elaborate treehouse or the castle as mikey calls it i mean The thing is an OSHA violation waiting to happen, but I've never seen a treehouse that actually had a walkway leading from the kid's bedroom directly into said treehouse. And like, I don't know about you, but is it like, did you guys get the feeling that this treehouse was like in the front of the home? Yeah, kind of like it. (laughs) First of all, it it was. that was the most terrifying treehouse I've ever seen. Like it didn't look fun. It looked like if you had a friend and like, my dad built me a treehouse, come play. And you're like, you're like, my parents told me not to go to your treehouse. So I'm going to listen. Now that I've seen it, I'm not going to (laughs) go. It it was, it was horrifying. If tower of terror 
was a treehouse. That is it. <laughs> <laughs> it was frightening. Yeah, I agree, though. I think it was kind of on the side of the house. Or, like, if his bedroom was toward the front, like, front-facing, yeah, you could walk right out to this treehouse, which was also weirdly over the driveway. Because in certain shots, it's, like, looking down right at the driveway, and, like, he has a whole conversation with his mother out of the treehouse window. It's it's a weird setup. That That's really not the worst thing about this opening scene. To me... You know, and they're they're putting a lot of weight on this child actor to have him talking to something that's not there. And he does a pretty okay job with it. But my issue is more with the exposition is that we're we're trying to build character and introduce the story and he's talking to nothing. And there's nothing even happening where where he's giving the kid anything to bounce off of. I think this movie would have infinitely benefit from having Fuzzbucket move things around and and interact even though he's invisible. Yeah, I, I I just I was pointing at you because which I know you guys can't see, but I was pointing at you because that's the first thing I thought. I was like, so we're just gonna watch him talk to the walls. Like you didn't put a string on a plate or <laughs> you know, pull pull the fishing line by the tree. Like what did you do? Like there's no, nothing's gonna happen? Okay. So I I have the same kind of note. I I actually thought this this young actor, uh, Chris Hebert, I thought he actually did a really good job throughout the movie, talking to nothing until we see Fuzzbucket. I felt that, I mean, I the eye line, the sight line was was really good. I thought that oh, he yeah. had the eye line was really good. I thought that he seemed like he was genuinely talking to somebody. It didn't seem very one oh one. For him, but yeah, I I thought it was sort of an interesting take that Fuzzbucket is already there. We don't know how he got there. We don't necessarily know why he's there. I thought that that was an interesting choice, but it I felt like it did leave something to kind of be desired. No, and you're right. It's not a knock against the acting. It's not even a knock against the direction. It's it's just the writing. Like I I feel like. Especially because as it plays out over the rest of the movie, it's a lot of exposition just through what Mikey's saying, which it has to be because you're not giving him anything to bounce off of. But it's just so weak for Mikey to explain everything that's happening to him when we can't see Fuzzbucket really causing these problems. Brace yourself, Sean. I dare say if they even took the route of don't look under the bed. Mm. that it would have benefit from from doing something like that where this invisible creature, the boogeyman in that case, is causing a whole bunch of problems and then your main character is in the wrong place at the wrong time getting blamed for everything. Right, because it's either the boogeyman or it's Larry Houdini that's doing it. But, like, we know that Larry is in and out. But, we, I mean, we don't know what Fuzzbucket is or how he got there. And and I think this is this is the big problem with starting it this way, the movie is called Fuzzbucket. I mean, he is the title yes. character. And you have, there, there, there's nothing that justifies his existence. 
really for the first half of this movie. Right. And it's like you said, I was expecting like an Alfred, even like a Harry and the Hendersons, where especially because they do give us like that little piece of information that the parents are fighting. I really thought it was going to be like Fuzzbucket comes into their lives, helps them through the problems and. You know, they, they think it's Mikey helping them along, but really it's been Fuzzbucket the whole time. And then he exposes Fuzzbucket for what he is. Boom. End of story. Happy ending. Happy after school special. And then that's it, which is totally not what you get here. Yeah. And it's interesting that you bring that up. And I'm interested in getting both of your takes on this. And we'll start with Scott first. You are led to believe that this is going to be like an Alf or a Harry and the Hendersons where he interacts with the family throughout the film, especially because the promotional still that they give you is the whole cast with him. Exactly. The family never sees him. Did this take you guys by surprise? I was completely and utterly confused the entire time. Like you guys said, we have no idea why he's there. We we're not even 100% sure he really exists. We don't know if this kid's actually just crazy or just weird or whatever. And <laughs> we, I'm sitting there the whole time watching this and I'm like, so Fuzzbucket is supposed to be real. Okay, I will accept that. And I'm just waiting. I'm like, he's gonna, you know, like, like when they're eating dinner, which I know we'll get there, but like, I- I'm waiting for Fuzzbucket to do anything, anything at all anything just just one interaction with anybody at all um and that just didn't happen and so the whole time i was like okay so this is a movie about a main character who we cannot see who does not do anything all right that was a choice (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean the invisible after midnight thing is totally contrived it, it doesn't matter what it is after midnight. You rip that off of Gremlins. Yes. But mm-hmm. 100%. The, I could live with him being invisible even if he was, like you said, sort of interacting with the family. Whether he's causing trouble for Mikey or helping put this family back together and sort of moving Mikey around like he's a puppet on a string, but he's really orchestrating everything, I would have been fine with not ever seeing him. But... The invisible thing doesn't do anything to really help or hurt the story because on the first day of school, like, yeah, it sets Mikey back a little bit, but there's nothing that Fuzz Bucket does other than the tickling that really hurts Mikey. It's really just Mikey's reaction to everything that keeps getting him in trouble. Right. And I think that, you kind of get the feeling that that's what they were trying to do, but it's just such a miss in this dinner scene. Now, I think the victory of the dinner scene is the padded bra insult. That that insult, I am telling you, ranks high in the all-time greatest insults in in the history of cinema. And it comes from this film, Fuzz Bucket. It is so wasted on this movie. It had me in tears. It was the it was truly the only moment in the movie that I fully found myself like invested and laughing because I don't know. I'm just I, I, I guess 
try to be a good person, but I got, you know, I got a little bit of shadiness in me at times. Um, <laughs> Don't we uh, all. I think it's because of all the reality TV I watch. <laughs> <laughs> but as soon as he said that, all I could, like, I was in tears. I was laughing. And I was like, that is something I wish I would have said to my sister at that age <laughs> when she got. <laughs> now, is it just me? But after the first viewing and going back and seeing it again, don't you get like lulled into a false sense of security? Like, wow, this movie's actually going to be really good. Like, I genuinely laughed at that part. And even the sister, I mean, like, okay, they have the most typical brother sister caddy relationship, but I really thought that that might have even become more dynamic, and it it doesn't really. Right. I mean, you're thinking that. He's he's speaking to Fuzz Bucket at the table out loud, which within itself makes no sense. If you're trying to hide this, it's not like he's like talking under his breath, like Fuzz Bucket, stop. You know, like he's having, like he's talking to right. Fuzz Bucket the way I am talking to the two of you right now, and he's trying to like pawn it off on his mom and sisters. If no, you didn't hear anything. Right. And at that point, that's where I'm like, okay, fuzz bucket, knock over a glass of milk or something at dinner, cause some trouble and nothing. Again, a character who we do not see, who does not do anything, at least not till later in the movie. And so <laughs> uh, you you said earlier uh, that uh, this, you know, you, you kind of expected fuzz bucket to like either help mend the family or cause trouble or one of the two, and it's funny because throughout the whole movie, it's it's like it, it's like they intended him to do both, but he didn't either. Right, and I was trying to movie. find out like if that was a budget cut or something, but like it really wouldn't have cost that much to you know rig some things to be set off and make it look like he was causing some trouble. Like really, what would it? A it's a simple, yeah. It's like a simple Mary Poppins. They did it in Mary Poppins, and that was 1964 for crying out loud. You could have easily flipped some plates over on that dinner table without it costing a dime. Uh, you could have done any number of things. And I'm thinking, okay, this is where we're going to start setting up this relationship with him and his sister that'll get mended, or him and his mother that'll get mended. And it, they, they just don't really pay off on any of that at all. No, instead, they give you a throwaway line that the parents are fighting, but they don't really explore that either. There's no reason why. Here's the like, I think if you sum this movie up, there's no reason that like if this movie had, you know, Sunday night on the wonderful world of Disney, there is no reason Fuzz bucket at eight o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Like, there's just nothing. There's no reason why they do anything in this movie. You know what it is? They took, they tried to bring conflict by cramming in every '90s trope into 45 minutes, which became even worse on the first day of school. From the minute he wrote, first of all, no, I'll take my bike instead of the bus trope. Then he gets there. There you have the teacher making the announcement, go this way, go this way. Then you go the wrong way. Within, I don't know, less than three minutes of screen time, he lands himself in the principal's office where the administrator's trying to make him laugh. You're in trouble on the first day of school. Then there's the hot girl. So he's all embarrassed. And then he's laughing for no reason in front of the hot girl. And then the principal... Well, he doesn't try to be his friend, so that's a trope that we missed. But he's like, are you trying to get out of P.E.? 
it it's just so bad. <laughs> that moment, I I know we will get to it. That moment, I have never felt more uncomfortable watching a movie than that moment. And like, uh, and what I mean is like, obviously, there's movies that are meant to make you feel uncomfortable, but that moment, the whole time I was sitting there, I was like. I don't want to watch this anymore. I don't, I don't want, <laughs> I want this scene to be over. Please let this scene be over. Yeah, let's talk about this 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 whole office scene. First off, I know it was something that drove you crazy with Teen Beach Movie, where you're within the first like three days of school and there's a school dance because they already have the banner hung school dance this Friday. Meanwhile, I thought the same thing. Like, I don't know why this is a thing that keeps happening but it's a thing that keeps happening. Do we need set decorations that badly? And you know that there's some director or producer behind that kind of thing that's going, how can we make this this world of this school more believable? Let's put up a sign for a dance. No kid in their right mind is going to throw together a dance on a week notice, nor are they going to come into school over the summer to plan one. No, I mean, do you need us to be convinced that they're in school more than being in school it's it is one of those tropes that you bring up and it doesn't make any sense but all of these movies do this and i don't quite understand why the same way i don't understand why i want to call him brian because that was that was the young man's name in alf mikey when Mikey almost falls backwards and puts his hands on his head, the office, like <laughs> when, when, they, when they say they have to go to the office because he's his his enrollment form isn't in that little index card box. That was like you may have well just said like, well, we're gonna have to go to prison. Prison. <laughs> he just see he's so concerned. I don't know where that comes from. We're gonna frame you for murder. Yeah, exactly. That was his reaction. Not to mention, I do want to dial it back a little bit. What what orientation functions this way is you've got every teacher in the school signing people in and then the kids take their cards and go do what exactly? Yeah, it, it's, it doesn't make any sense at all. I get what they were trying to do. I do. But it, if we're going for the reality of it, it's just too unbelievable. The most informative thing that comes out of that scene is that lunch is not an elective. <laughs> and <laughs> we were talking about the school dance just a second ago. You know what really bothered me? We never got to see the dance. Like, I saw it and I'm like, okay, set dressing, maybe maybe we'll see a school dance. We didn't see a school dance. No, I was waiting. We to barely see... saw the school. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're thinking, oh, we're gonna. it's going to be like... You know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the second movie, like we're about we're about to see a man in in an animal suit get down at a dance. Right. And that's like I'm or thinking scary, that's going to Fuzz Bucket. Right. Or like Fuzz Bucket <laughs> is going to like push Mikey to go dance with the girl from the office. You know what I'm saying? The one that watched him get tickled. And none of this happens. None of this happens. Now, there's a movie, though, if that's where Fuzzbucket decides to expose himself. You would think. Instead, we get two really awkward scenes in this office. I mean, to me, I think the tickling scene is so awkward that not even John Vernon can save it. That speaks volumes where John Vernon cannot save a scene. 
I think if they would have cut out of the tickling a little bit sooner, it would have been less awkward. Like it still would have been bad, but I feel like the scene drags on forever in the tickling, in those long, awkward pauses. They could have cut this down way more. I also don't like, and I disagree with you on something. I think that they were trying to kind of like have this principal that was being friendly to the kid. Cause I think at first he sort of feels bad for him that he, he is freaking out that it's the first day of school. I think he was trying to get him to level with him a little bit, but you don't cast John Vernon in a, in a role that's going to make him soft. Why would you even cast him? Like you cast him and I know obviously it's typecast, but you cast him to be the stern, take-no-nonsense principal. Right. No, and I I would agree with that, that he tries to level with him. Like, it wasn't quite as bad as, like, Mr. Belding, for instance, where he's, where he's always saying, you know, the last three letters of the word principal spell pal. It wasn't that awful. But the expectation would, was that he would have been, like, militant throughout the whole, the whole scene. And... Again, it doesn't really go anywhere because he's mean. Then he tries to help him out. And then he's just kind of like, yeah, whatever. And that's when he asks him, are, are you are you freaking out because of P.E.? Which, as Scott, as you brought up, I was like, this took a really awkward turn really fast. Yeah, and, and, and then he gets into the shower, too. Like, are you, are you afraid of showering in front of people? Look, I, I didn't. I so where I grew up, we didn't even have like a junior high or even a middle school, and so like we were K through eight, and so I go straight into high school, and basically it was very similar to that. But the fact that he's like, "Are you nervous to shower in front of the other boys?" and I was like, the first thing I thought of is who isn't nervous to shower in front of their peers? Like <laughs> as a grown adult, I wouldn't want to shower in front of my peers anywhere. Like that's so. I was like, "What? A, yeah, no, that's that's not even the question to ask." Because, duh, everybody would be nervous for that, right? Because he's what twelve. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I'm not questioning why he wouldn't be nervous. Because, I mean, I never had to experience that, but I feel like that that must have been a very prevalent thing that that we just never realized because. It, it is a trope and it happens in so many movies where they're like, are you afraid to shower? I'm just surprised that for a Disney, a, a Disney film like this, that they took it there, that they, they would even start to explore that. Yeah, because neither in junior high school nor high school did we did we shower with our peers after P.E. I mean, I get it. Like, you know, this movie came out in 86. So that was. I mean, 15 years before I had gotten into high school. So maybe it was something that they were still doing. But but similarly, it's just not something you think would come out of the mouth of a character in a Disney film. Yeah, Like, for example, the, the other big movie that I could think of that does the whole Jim Shower thing is Carrie. And that was a huge scene in that movie. And it's absolutely traumatizing. But that's a horror film. It's completely relevant to, fair, to the character. Like it's kind of a horror film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's also completely relevant to what she's going through. This has nothing to do with what's going on with Mikey. And I feel like this scene would have paid off a little bit more. And and I keep going back and forth and I don't want to get too far ahead of it. I, I was really trying at this point to figure out for myself if Fuzzbucket was real or not. 
And at this point, I kind of am leaning towards yes, he is, because then Mikey starts going along with, well, if everybody thinks I'm just nervous about school, I'll lean into that and I'll just go with it. Something I also found really weird and kind of interesting is also in that scene with the principal, he's like, you can tell me I have a great sense of humor. And I'm like, first of all, that was, Um, but (laughs) the way that Mikey looks at Fuzzbucket and just starts screaming, tell him over and over again, it gave me again, very horror movie vibes. And I know it's supposed to be like a family friendly film and he's supposed to be, you know, and just kind of like this weird quirky kid and all this stuff. But like the way he opened his eyes and like pulled back his teeth and started yelling, I was like, as a faculty member at that school, I would be, all right, okay, well, we're going to call home now because I think that's what we need to do. Like, it it reminds me of something you would have seen out of like the Evil Dead, right? Like, yeah. where, where a character just becomes possessed beyond the capacity for rational thought. No, and that's a that's a credit to this kid's acting cuz I kind of thought the same thing is that he really becomes unhinged in that moment. I'm glad you brought that up Scott cuz I actually forgot about that part. Like I'm I'm so scarred by the laughing in this scene, I forgot. Like that that's actually a kind of a I'll give it that. There's a powerful moment. Mm-hmm. Powerful nightmare moment. Right. Let's let's talk about a powerful nightmare moment. We get back to the house. Kitchen nightmares. Uh, to say the least. And we whip up this disgusting concoction that starts to glow green. And Fuzzbucket, now, he drinks it after Mom has yelled at us for making a mess in the kitchen. Can we talk about, while I appreciate the fact that they were trying to, in their minds, bring Fuzzbucket in, in, in perhaps, and, and actually build him and build his anatomy that skeleton is the thing of nightmares my god what were they thinking there was no reason that we had to go through a middle school anatomy class to figure out (laughs) what's fucking existed because that was horrifying and i i have to jump back the concoction he makes first of all disgusting look like nickelodeon slime but also it wrote this movie reminded me so much of this B it's not even a B horror movie it's like an E horror movie it, it's way less than a B it's called Troll 2 yep. I don't know if you've ever heard of it this entire movie multiple parts I was like this is Troll 2 and Gremlins and E.T. and ALF and basically any other puppet creature film Disney was like you know what let's just take it all let's put it in a blender and then we got Fuzz Bucket unfortunately <laughs> Again, we went through a whole anatomy class just to figure out Fuzz Bucket exists. And it was, it, it, and it wasn't like haha funny, like how in Home Alone, too, like we see the skeleton yeah. of Marv. It was like, oh, no, I didn't know I was getting on the Haunted Mansion. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> but like, not necessary. Like, you could have just had Fuzz Bucket appear and no one would have thought, gee, you know, I, I really wish we would have seen like his organs first. You know what I'm saying? Like, nobody would say that. To me, the real nightmare in this... have a liver. (laughs) (laughs) To me, the real nightmare in this scene is when the mom walks in the kitchen and, like, of course she's going to get mad. There's a mess. I don't know what it is. Like, she cannot 
hit her sight line. And and I there there's just no reaction. She just comes in screaming. And there's just no nuance to the scene. Wendy Phillips was an airplane. She's a much better actress. And I, I know she's doing the best she can with the material that she had to work with. But th- there's just something about this that's way off to me. And, and I feel like they just, you know, a, again, it's difficult because they don't have fuzz bucket there. These people are not reacting to anything. But I feel like she just could have done this so much better or at least have Mikey stand in so she's got something to play off of it was just so weak but yeah then then we get to the treehouse and I was not at all prepared for the way that they went about bringing Fuzzbucket to life I thought the green slime was derivative I thought on top of all of the other movies that Scott mentioned that were thrown into the blender Ghostbusters is included in that yeah um yeah with the ecto cooler and then you know, I I thought it was kind of clever at first, being that we haven't seen any of these, any cool tricks with the invisibility that they filled his any stomach at, at first. Any effects at all, right? <laughs> yeah. Um. So I was okay with with seeing the the green filling up the stomach, but why did we need all of those layers? Like that that was truly terrifying, and it's it's so poorly done too i mean not that i was really in it but it took me right out of it well it's poorly done and it and it goes on forever yes like it lasts forever what i will say is though the payoff is that it's actually an actor i thought he was going to be an animatronic i had no idea mm-hmm. yeah phil fondacaro plays him and was an actor that had done a lot of these sort of, you know, man in a suit puppet sort of films, it's it's what he was known for. I would find it hard to believe that this was his favorite role, though, because my favorite role was Double Double Toil and Trouble with the Olsen twins. But I'm saying like this is the what the February moment. Yes. When he is finally materialized. I don't know what this thing is. It's Alf meets a rat. When he speaks, his lips don't move. I f- it it's it's c- just creepy and unsettling. And uh, like usually, I, I I can articulate it better than this, but I I don't like it. I mean, I don't know. There's no other way to say it, but I don't like it. He kind of reminded me. If you ever watch Captain Planet, do you remember the rat villain? Like it was a guy and he, he was, he was like part rat and his whole thing was like pollution and polluting the earth. And that is exactly the first thing I thought of when I saw Fuzz Bucket was that villain from Captain Planet. <laughs> like you said, I don't like it. I don't, I don't even understand if you want me to like it because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask this question. Okay. If Disney is trying to rip off of things that were popular at the time. And we know that that's clearly what they were doing in this movie. Like, Alf, Alf's funny looking, but like kind of in a cute way. He's, he, he's, he's an alien, but he's not unapproachable. The Mogwai, until they become gremlins, are cute. They're certainly approachable. What made them think this thing was was approachable? What made this like 
was this going to be the stuffed animal that showed up at KB or Toys R Us that the parents were going to rush out to buy for the kids? Was this going to be the Halloween costume that, that the kid wanted to wear that year? Like, what made them think that this thing is not the stuff of nightmares? I, I, I don't understand where... You're, you're going to rip something off, but, it, I mean, this thing is ghoulish. That's a really great point. I mean, I guess because it wasn't a feature length film, they really weren't thinking about all of the, dare I say, marketing opportunities behind this. I guess you didn't have to worry about the costumes or or the toys or anything like that. But God, can you imagine finding this in your Happy Meal? It would McDonald's would have gone under. Finding it in my nightmares. (laughs) (laughs) So the thing that got me is like, I I feel like the costume designer was like, okay. So hear me out. Go with me here. Let's follow. And, you know, all the producers are like, okay, let's go. And the costume designer said, okay, so what if a rat got plastic surgery and uh, that's it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, basically. That's basically what it is. Horror element aside, because just nothing can prepare you for this. The story, and and again, not that there's, there's much here, but... We're about halfway through the film now, and we've just met our main character. So I real I realize that's why they were trying to build to that moment with this awful transformation. But again, it, there's no payoff in this moment because there hasn't been any kind of hijinks. He's not causing trouble for Mikey. So here is where the movie should really take off, and it still doesn't. Starting with. I guess we can expect that there was going to be some sort of language barrier with this thing, but the broken English is just terrible. Like the first thing he does is he wants to draw their hands, which Mikey interprets as being blood brothers. Sure. Clearly this kid does not get out much, but Fuzzbucket asks for something called a waxy draw. You can barely speak and yet somehow you know that crayons are made from wax and you were able to articulate that you wanted to draw your hand seriously i legitimately thought a waxy draw was like some kind of 80s toy i had never heard of for a second until i pieced together that he wanted a crayon i was like okay i've never heard of a waxy draw must have been like a one-hit wonder toy or something until i realized it was a crayon and then you know i just felt stupid well, like, and this is E.T., right? This is now where you're pulling from E.T., where the creature is learning to talk, but talks quite literally, right? But, and, but and it's that's not what's literal. Here. That's what I'm saying. How do you know that a crayon is made from wax? Like, that's what, to Scott's point, yeah, it doesn't sound like some, like, you wouldn't immediately think crayon, yeah, I, I, get I, I just feel like it's such a reach and I feel like I mean there were a million other things that they could have been done that were more literal but even like E.T. learns to talk through the television you know and puts together phrases I mean this was an opportunity for even physical comedy that they missed if he was trying to act out what he wanted but you can't because you look like plastic surgery and you're still you're still suck, stuck with one impression <laughs> I mean it's I want to say, Sean said this was E.T. No, this was I.T. This was it. (laughs) You said E.T. learned to speak through the television. Well, you know, Pennywise also came through the television, and I feel like Fuzzbucket was going to come through mine. And so (laughs) it was, like you said, it was a a setup for all this physical comedy, and it just, 
it was as if you've ever babysat somebody else's kid, that's what Fuzzbucket felt like to me. It felt like Mikey was babysitting this kid who just had like a full giant glass of chocolate milk and was just ready to go off the rails. Right. And then he crashes because he wants to watch cartoons and you don't know what a crayon is, but somehow you know what a cartoon is and can demand to watch it. Yeah. And then they like weirdly cuddle when he falls asleep. Yeah. It's just because, because you haven't had enough awkward scenes Let's put the two of them in a treehouse where Mikey is. This is the first time Mikey has seen this thing and is not alarmed by the three foot talking rat that has appeared in front of him. Now I'm going to snuggle with him and watch tunes, tunes. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, just the fact that Mikey didn't panic made me question if Mikey was just okay in general. Um, you know, I know I know he's having a rough time at home. I get that. I don't think it's that rough where you're just like, yeah, okay, again, plastic surgery rat, that's my best friend. And, you know, we're going to hang out, we're going to watch cartoons, we're going to cuddle. But the thing is, Fuzzbucket doesn't have, like, the cuteness of, like, Alfred's kind of, like, anteater-ish or, like, the kind of sympathy-ness of E.T. He just is hyperactive and looks icky. And then they're like, yeah, okay, best friends. All right, if you say so. <laughs> I don't even know that I, that E.T. or ALF would have the cuddle factor, but certainly more so than Fuzzbucket. And then this is kind of where the pendulum swung back the other way, and I was like, well, he can't be real. He he must be in Mikey's head at this point. And now he reappears so that he can leave. Right. Okay. Is, does anybody else not find this to be incredibly confusing? He showed up to leave. And Mikey calls it out. He's like, so, so you're just going to leave. You used me. Because he's like, no, we're friends. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> sure you are. That's like when your friend comes over and is like, you have a pool. We're best friends now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And when, when he finally says home, that's all he can say. Home. I was like, you are literally ripping off E.T. I know home is a very common phrase and it's used in almost every film and every television show, but for this little alien creature to go home and he kind of even had that um, like that little like inflection on the end. I was like, this is E.T. And, and I'm sorry, like I know E.T. was still a thing in 1986, but that had come out years before this. So I kind of feel like even that was kind of a stretch. Absolutely. That would be like now if I was trying to make references to The Hangover. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was a huge deal when it came out. But as we sit here in 2020, it's kind of just another movie that happened and we liked it and it's it's over now. I don't know. I think The Hangover is still pretty funny. To me, it's like, what were we doing with Borat? I, I, yeah, but but those the references and the jokes, though, at this point are passe. That's my point. So I think the the question you can ask is, in 1986, are you ripping off E.T.? Is it passe to do? I understand Alf and Harry and the Hendersons and Gremlins, but E.T. was so far before that, or it was so far from, from the point of, of the release of this film that did you really need to pull from it that much? Right. No, I I totally get what you're saying. What's still 
gets me about this scene is that, you know, like you, you guys hit on it is that he was invisible and now he's like, gotta go. But you were invisible. You should have just left because now he tries to disguise himself as he's going through the town and he's in a mailbox and then he dresses up in he dumpster dives and and finds an outfit to put on. You already had invisible going for you. Why didn't you just walk home? You, you, as soon as you brought up the outfit, I know we will get there. That was one of the most horrifying, like, <laughs> it scared me. I jumped and I shouldn't jump at this film, uh, not intentionally, but it, it really got me. I mean, I know we'll get there, but like it, <laughs> that outfit, the, the, the popping out of stuff, like horrifying. And mm-hmm. the same thing, why, it also would have hurt Mikey less, like if he would have left while you were invisible, but he was like, no, I need Mikey to make me some food so I can bounce. Right. Yeah, I need this this slime concoction to become visible again because I went to a drive-in movie last night. Because that, that apparently that's what it was. He, the reason why he was out past midnight was because he went to the drive-in movie theater. On a school night. He that, went to go see E.T. That was, that was the reason <laughs> they gave for him being invisible. He went to a drive-in movie. And now those are invisible. Yeah, unfortunately. What also scared me in the alley scene, I was never expecting the drunk to pop out from under a pile of newspapers. <laughs> Crazy drunk pedestrian. Now you're ripping off back to the future. <laughs> popped out and he goes i'm trying to sleep and mike's just like i'm so sorry and i would have bolted if i was his age i would have panicked probably peed a little bit and ran as fast as i could but he's like oh i'm so sorry continue your rest mr hobo (laughs) (laughs) but i was like where does this come from again this this is where it feels like a safety instructional video like don't go out without a parent definitely don't go into a dark alleyway and then they twist the knives further, like you said, when Fuzzbucket pops out of the dumpster. I, Those are two uh, jump scares. I, I mean, I didn't expect any jump scares in this movie, but two in a matter of about a minute and 30 seconds. I fell back in my chair. And like, have you know, in a, in a horror film or like sometimes like you'll turn a light on in your house and you just get so scared that you kind of just feel like you feel all of your nerve endings shoot off at once and you kind of just get that little sting and it tingles for a second because, like, you just, your heart skips a beat. Like, I had a cardiac episode <laughs> when that thing comes out of that dumpster and starts screaming with the glasses and the hat on, looking like, oh, yeah, Gordon Shumway from ALF. This was horrifying. This is not what I thought I was getting. I mean, I didn't know what I was getting when I was watching a film called Fuzzbucket, but I certainly didn't think I was getting this. It's another. I'm, and I, how could I only realize this now? It is another ET ripoff. When when he's in the the high grass, that that to this day that moment scares me whenever I watch ET. And part like of it when is because they're screaming the at each too. other. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah, but it, it, it's another ripoff. The other thing I wonder now, because Mikey has been missing for quite some time, and the family, they start making phone calls, knocking on doors, and his dad gets in the car to start driving around looking for him. And now we know that if if Fuzzbucket, even though he's visible now, isn't home again before midnight, he will be invisible forever. We don't know why. We have no context for it. I wish it would have happened. But it 
it's just what he needs to do. And it's broad daylight in this small town USA. And now all of a sudden it is pitch black. How big is this town? How big is this main street that it is already this dark? Right, because they're seemingly out all night trying to make it back to, to Fuzzbucket's home. The other thing is, how fast can this thing possibly move? Because somehow Mikey keeps losing him. You, you're telling me you can't outrun this thing? Or he's not even invisible get hit by anymore a car? either. Yeah, he's not invisible. <laughs> how nobody, how no human being has seen this thing and have, has been concerned in broad daylight, this big rat walking around, nobody is concerned. None of it makes any sort of sense. Maybe it's like where I grew up, small town USA in the South, but like you see something weird and you're like, I'm just not going to say anything because I'm a person <laughs> of the Lord and so I'm not going to be rude. <laughs> so they're just like, that poor man, his affliction, I'm so sorry, I'll pray for you when I get home. <laughs> so they're just letting Fuzzbucket walk through. Well, the other thing is, like you Hard. said, fu- Fuzzbucket keeps running away and it's poof forever, poof gone forever, poof gone forever. This is what Fuzzbucket is saying, but yet he takes the time to dance in puddles and jump in puddles. Like, what sort of you rush are you the in? Small things, though, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> no, and Mikey, same thing. It's like Fuzzbucket, wait for me. Don't leave without me. You're my best friend, and he's got to deliver his entire line before he starts moving after it. Like, no wonder the thing keeps escaping you, but it shouldn't. You should be able to catch him pretty easily. Yeah, if you keep giving a soliloquy between each time, each, <laughs> each time you try to get to him, you're not going to catch him. No, and then, like you said, it gets dark. How big could the town possibly be? I have to imagine that Mikey must have lap past the general store like seven times before he realized oh Fuzzbucket has left Main Street I feel like honestly as I was watching this I was like you know what we are in Hawkins Indiana this is Stranger Things but this is just a, this is a different kid's thing that he's going through in this town <laughs> well and this is the other thing Mikey knew where Fuzzbucket was going he knew exactly which field and which clearing he lived in. So why didn't he just go there? Right. Just go cut him off at the pass. Get on your bike, fly over the moon, and then go meet him there. <laughs> May as well rip off the good part if we're doing everything else. But even even when they get out there, I mean, okay, I have to assume that this was filmed in California. I'll give you that. But it looks exactly like where E.T. landed. And the fact that he, he he's in the woods. You have to go to the woods to find him. And when they eventually find Elliot, I mean Mikey, he's passed out <laughs> in the woods. Like this, this is this is like almost a shot for shot remake of E.T. in in this particular scene. This was another unbelievably scary part when Mikey gets lost in this tunnel system where the fuzz buckets live. That was a fever dream because now there's five. They're all screaming at each other. They're screaming at him. He's running away. Uh, yeah, th- this is perfect for what the February. And I just want to go ahead and say, can we talk about how Mikey slides into the fuzz bucket universe where he just, it was the most like, I've sat down, like he falls, but then you can, it's like the way they cut it, it's like, 
I've sat down and I've slid as slow as I possibly can into this area while also going, ah, as monotoned as I can. <laughs> it was horrible. It was the funniest thing in that entire movie to me. You can picture the director like, okay, we're going to let you do your own stunt, but they don't want to really like put him in jeopardy. Yeah, it, it was such a slow slide. You're absolutely right. It was the most manufactured thing in this movie other than Fuzz Bucket himself. So you... I cannot wait for the new Fuzz Bucket attraction coming to <sighs> Disney's Hollywood Studios <laughs> where you get to slide down and travel into the Fuzz Bucket universe. Now, there, <laughs> there's something imagine? for the ultimate Imagineer season three, a Fuzz Bucket attraction. That's what I need to do. I need to put that as one of the, the topics. That, that's one of the challenges now. So you have to design a fuzz bucket attraction and all my contestants are going to be like, what's a fuzz bucket? <laughs> so, okay. We, we we're in the scene and you have fuzz bucket that says you were there for me, Mikey. And I was there for you. No, you wasn't. helped me. I helped you. How exactly does fuzz bucket help Mikey? This is where it, it's prime for fuzz bucket should have been visible to the entire family and brought the family together. Perhaps Fuzzbucket ran off and the family searched for him and the family comes together. Or Fuzzbucket, as I said before, does something for Mikey at school or at the dance. He doesn't do anything for him. So you've spent no time developing this. Like I like the character of Fuzzbucket as he's in this dialogue. It's like, wow, this this character has heart, but we don't know why. And you wasted forty five minutes where you could have been developing a story where he actually does help this kid. I mean, I suppose later when he leaves gifts at the house, we'll talk about that as we wrap the film up in a few moments. I suppose that's helping Mikey because it's helping the parents. But we haven't seen that yet. So, like, you're telling us something you did without any context to it. Right. Because he didn't help Mikey. He tickled him and created an awkward situation in the principal's office. He had Mikey make him the green drink that brought him, that made him visible. And then he runs away. He has literally done nothing for Mikey. And you can't even argue that he's done anything to put the family back together because it's not even like they're working together to find Mikey. They divide and conquer. Sure. I'll give you that one. But this throwaway line about the parents arguing, they never really explore that. You just have the dad step up and be like, don't worry, I'm going to bring him home. And then he kisses the mother and she goes to make her to go wait by the phone. And then the sister runs door to door. Honestly, the sister's got like the best arc out of anybody. Her and her pal. Like, yeah. The most development out of her. Cause like he runs into her and her friend. She's like, what are you doing? A little dweeb. And then he, yes. You know, whatever 80s slang you want to use. And then she, then she, she goes to her friend's house and her friend's like, what about your weird little brother? And she's like, he's not weird. He's normal. <laughs> I'm like, you just made fun of him like 25 minutes ago. I don't know what you like. But no, but you're exactly right. She she has the most change because then she goes to participate to help him. That's a full arc. And it's the only one that we get. And it's it's kind of unmotivated. Like th there's no, she, she never has that aha moment. You know what I'm saying? She never sees the creature. 
she never has even just like an internal monologue where she feels maybe she she was too hard on him or she didn't listen to him or I should have believed him. Like none of that. It's just like, well, he's missing and he might be dead. So now he's not weird because that would just be cruel for me to continue to pound on the kid because we don't even know if he's alive right now. She's like, oh, wait, I have to show I have feelings. Yeah, exactly. Even Mikey would have had a better arc if, and again, I will give to the movie's credit, it did keep me guessing whether or not Fuzz Bucket was real. If the film ended and he was just out in the woods and admitted to, well, you know what, I guess I really was scared of the change and I was trying to adjust and I made up this thing. And and it confirmed that Fuzz Bucket was all in his imagination and he decided to grow up and just deal with the changes in front of him, that would have been a more complete arc. But because they have this weird ending scene with these gifts, it does confirm that Fuzz Bucket was real the whole time. So really, what do we get out of Mikey as a character? Nothing. So where did Fuzz Bucket learn to gift wrap? Yeah, and, and, and what, <laughs> what I want to know is what is the relevance of these gifts? Yes. I mean, I thought that and then I get so distracted because I I mean, I get it. They're having like a private moment in their bedroom or whatever. But like you had to have the mom sit down on the bed and then I get that you wanted to do this pan to the floor where you see the footprints again, confirming that he's real. But what they do to pull that off is they put the dad on the bed, too, and it ends with a kid. And it's like so unnecessarily suggestive that they've made up Mm -hmm. just for this money shot of the footprints on the floor. There were a million other things that you could have done here. I have maybe go back to the messy kitchen and then the dad could have helped her clean it up and they make amends. When, when the dad jumps down on the bed with the mom, not a sentence I thought I'd be saying in a Disney podcast and they pan away and I'm showing my age but am I the only person that, as they panned out the window, was waiting for that maniacal laugh with, you're so cool, Brewster? Because then you could have just pulled from Fright Night and you would have knocked off every movie that was popular <laughs> in the two years before this came out and it would have been the cherry on top of the ice cream sundae. I just keep going back to the the whole Trolls 2 thing I brought up earlier. And if you guys have not seen that movie, um, don't. I'm not even going to suggest it. Uh <laughs> The, the glowing footprints, the running away, like, the costumes. It was so close to that movie, too. And that movie's bad. It's like, they, they were like, I, they were like, here's your challenge. We want you to take a part of every movie that has ever come out in the 80s up to this point, And we want you to put it into this film. But also, don't put too much effort into it. <laughs> So get in every movie, but but hold back, hold back just a little bit. Yeah, the other thing that totally not too much. (laughs) Don't overseason it. The other thing that that totally contradicts itself is it took them all night to get back to the you know this underground tunnel system where he lives. And yet you get Mikey out of the woods. Okay, you're in a police car now going back to your house. So you've got a little bit of speed on your side. How did Fuzz Bucket beat you back home, deliver these gifts, and then run away before anybody saw him? Yet it took you, oh, I don't know, six to eight hours to get out of town. None of it makes any sort of sense. No. I think we've ultimately just learned that 
Buzzbucket is kind of a jerk and not a good friend. And, you know, let's not trust invisible creatures that we can't see. I think that's a good lesson from this film. That might be one of the few takeaways from this movie. D- does anybody else have anything to add before we give our final review of Fuzzbucket? Anything that stood out to you? <laughs> I did forget one other scene. Okay. Which was Mikey's big moment when he's in the tree and he realizes that Fuzzmucket might be gone forever and he he professes his love to his best friend. Yeah. Okay. And yes, then yeah. turns on a dime to I hate you. And you're not real. There's no such thing as a fuzz bucket. Which I thought maybe then Fuzzbucket would either become invisible again, like it was kind of like an I don't believe in fairies moment uh, where you have to clap it back to life. Um, Clap your hands if you believe in Fuzzbucket, kids. I would sit on my hands for the rest of my life. (laughs) I I have hands. Never had hands. It's it's tragic, really. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't stand a chance. That's why he needs the green drink. He can't do it for himself. But I'd, I'd be okay if Mikey was like, around yelling but i love you you know i want to be friends with you whatever but it turns way too quickly i i feel like if he would have gotten out of the tree and then then got angry that he couldn't find him it would have been a little bit more effective but for for a kid that did a pretty good job of carrying an otherwise horrible film this didn't do him any favors either he really said let's put this reverse uno card on my emotions real quick <laughs> switch it up let's you know let's keep the audience interested with my oscar nominated performance with this film and it just i mean he and that's the thing is like i i don't i genuinely don't think any actor did terribly throughout the movie i like you said at the very beginning it was a lot of the writing and it's just even a good actor can't make bad writing great <laughs> it's true it's very true all right, are we are we ready to to give our final review of this film? I think so. Scott, would you like to go first? Of course. So, ultimately, I would say that Fuzzbucket is a Goosebumps book mixed with like we said every 80s movie that had ever been made up until that point. Um again, with not too much seasoning. Uh <laughs> just to really kind of let Disney have their moment of like, we can do it too. (laughs) Anything you can do, I can do moderately somewhat. Okay. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And honestly, I would truly say if you want to have like a fun B movie night, Fuzzbucket is a great Disney movie to sit around and watch and criticize and laugh at with your friends or family. I agree with with all of that. I feel like this could be, like, we could turn this into a Rocky Horror game, a Room game, where, like, there are just certain things that you watch in this film that has a cult following that... Um, you know, like when they don't, when they don't find him in the registration, like you have to throw an index card at the screen. You know what I'm saying? Like when the mom (laughs) leaves to go get spaghetti and pizza, like you have to have like a box of Ronzoni and a DiGiorno just to throw. (laughs) Like you could turn this into a game. 
That is everything that's great and everything that's horrible about this. This movie has a ton of rewatchability for all of the wrong reasons. This is by far, for now, and I'm confident in saying for now because we have a film coming up later this year that we're going to discuss that I know is worse than this. But, yeah, I think you just figured out what it was. This, as of right now, is the worst film we have ever reviewed on this show. It's worse than The Black Cauldron. It's really, really quite awful. And the most disappointing thing is that I feel like they took an idea and went, but you've seen ALF. You get it. You've seen E.T. You get it. And it's almost like you dumb down the audience, like the entire film has no context and no motivation, but because we've seen it before, you get it. And that's kind of just what like they were going off of. And John Landis produced this film. John Landis, who directed Animal House, which now makes sense that you've got John Vernon here. John Landis that did Trading Places... John Landis, who directed Thriller, he directed Thriller, and this was the best you could get with a Disney budget. I know in the mid-80s, Disney animation was in the tank, and they were losing money because of films like The Black Cauldron. This certainly didn't do it any favors, but like, it's John Landis and Disney, And you are just ripping off a concept that has been done well by so many other people. How did you screw it up? How'd you screw it up? But it's very easy. This is over there like, I didn't do that. Stop saying my name. I didn't do that. (laughs) And it's funny. Now now that you say that with Thriller, I'm also thinking Captain EO. Not that he did that as well, but like that plot is much more cohesive and then when you have something like hooter that's cute this should have been so much better and instead fuzzbucket is what happens when you buy et on wish that's what this film is (laughs) like i mean you said it it's rewatchable for all of the wrong reasons and to that point i think it answers the question of whether we're laughing with it or at it definitely at at this point and i i don't want to be mean and horrible but you know like you said up until this point black cauldron was probably the worst thing that we watched for this show and and the worst film that we've done a review on and it is one of disney's worst films and they own that but at least we were able to sit there and see where they tried i really can't see much effort at all this is just like the room this is this is like the it's the disney-fied version of the room you're absolutely right and yeah maybe for those that are of age with some alcohol involved this could be a lot of fun but even even like all joking aside i think it is worth watching just to see what it is that we are talking about, or if you have been scrolling along on Disney plus and you've seen the horrifying image of fuzz bucket, it may be worth checking out just to say that you saw it because I can't imagine that this is one of those films that's going to live forever on Disney plus. I, I don't know. 
maybe. I I don't think on listen, I don't think anybody else has the license for fuzz bucket where you're going to see this get pulled off. In fact, I feel like any other streaming service is paying Disney to not get their hands on the license. Like, no, no, no you can keep it. Um I I don't think they're going to pull it down. I like it's it's kind of a goal of mine. Like I want this film to become like something that's trending on Disney Plus. I want people to see this. I want people to see what what it is that we're talking about here, because it it, it it needs to be seen. It is the room. You're right. This is Disney's version of the room to the point where like I would love to see this remade with Tommy wife No, no, this voicing does not need to be remade. Fu- yes, no, let no. him voice Fuzz Bucket. Oh my gosh. I think that's, if you're going to do it, it has to be a total spoof. Oh, Mikey, I went to the movie. Ha, ha, ha. Like, that's what this needs to be. If you're going to remake it, it needs to be a straight spoof of itself. If we don't get a Fuzz Bucket popcorn bucket in the Disney parks anytime soon. I just, I, I, I don't think I could support the company anymore if I just don't. I think that would be the last straw with Disney is if I don't get my fuzz bucket popcorn bucket or limited edition ears or <laughs> fuzz bucket pin. <laughs> Maybe that's what they do with Dino Land USA in Animal Kingdom because there's all bunch of... <laughs> There's so many rumors of what they're going to do with that space. Maybe that's it. Maybe they have an archaeological dig for us, and then we can go underground and find the fuzz buckets. It's like they take out all of Dino Land, including Dinosaur, and they said, you know what? Let's do Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the playground, but let's do it fuzz bucket. (laughs) And then everybody else said, no. (laughs) Well, we talked about it. They missed their opportunity for merchandising the first time around. So so maybe there's something to be said for those fuzz bucket ears. Could you imagine if they redid Dinosaur and Seeker had you going after fuzz bucket? I mean, could you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine the, the Instagram influencers trying to pull off those ears? Give them a reason. They will try. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. Hey, guys, that- if you... Hey guys, if you check my bio, you can find where I got my new Fuzz Bucket Lounge Fly backpack <laughs> next to the new Fuzz Bucket wall at Disney's Fuzz Bucket Animal Kingdom. Recipe for my green slime, link in bio. <laughs> I could totally see that being like the new blue milk. They could develop a green concoction for, for this Fuzz Bucket themed land at Animal Kingdom. I don't know. Maybe the, the more we're rolling with this, the more Disney missed a really big opportunity. Can't wait to get that limited edition fuzz bucket sipper with the fuzz signature <laughs> fuzz bucket drink. And then the stomach lights up green. They could do the, <laughs> the light up ice cubes. <laughs> as, as you drink it, layers of him go away. So so it turns invisible. You get the skin, you get the bones, <laughs> you get the intestines, and then there's no more fuzz bucket. <laughs> It could be like a, like it changed, like as you, it could be like one of those cups where like as you add the ice and the beverage, as it cools down, it changes. And that's how, that's what you get. Like the cup on its own without a beverage in it is a skeleton. And then after you put ice and like a cold soda in there or whatever beverage you need to drink while watching freaking fuzz bucket, the cup starts to slowly change into the actual creature and you are left with Fuzz Bucket. Or, or if you really wanted to, we could go in a world showcase. You could have Fuzz Bucket Russian dolls. <laughs> like, you could you could really make this work. Fuzz Bucket the experience. 
I'm here for it. I want to see what the fuzz bucket meet and greet would be. Like, it, does that become something that you need a fast pass for? Meeting it would fuzz be bucket. exclusive at Universal's Halloween Horror Nights is what it would be. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine like fuzz bucket in the middle of the Festival of Fantasy Parade? Could you could you just imagine? Not to that extent. Bucket on the Disney's Christmas Parade. <laughs> yes, <laughs> rare character. <laughs> you're you're doing the wine and dine restaurant. Hold on, I gotta stop for a picture. It's Fuzz Bucket. <laughs> you gotta stop and take the picture with Fuzz Bucket. <laughs> no, but really, I mean, you can only meet Fuzz Bucket on Discovery Island. You know the old dilapidated island in the middle of the lagoon of Magic Kingdom. No, he's that's brilliant. He's probably there. That for, is not for brilliant. anything. He's probably there. But I could seriously see the way that this community rallies around things like Figment. Everybody loved the old school ride of Journey into the Imagination. Then they redid it and it's horrible and boring now. And yet everybody all of a sudden loves Figment again because he needs his due. So I'm just saying the, the way that this community tends to rally around things, I could really see this happening. But especially if it's a fully immersive experience. Come on, Discovery Island. That's not doing anything. This is brilliant. If they... it, it, it is a hard ticketed event to go to Fuzz Bucket Island now and do a search for Fuzz Bucket and explore the. Fuzz but Bucket I would universe. pay for it. Like I would totally do that now, as long as he doesn't jump out in the coat and the glasses and the hat. Like that's fine. <laughs> no dumpsters. But I would do the search for Fuzz Bucket if they hadn't already announced. This is not where I thought this conversation was going. If they had not already announced that they were re-theming Splash Mountain to Princess and the Frog, yes. could you imagine yes. if they re-themed it Fuzz Bucket and when Mikey slides down <laughs> on that manufactured slide, when you go down into the briar patch, that's when you go into the Fuzz Bucket lair? Oh my god. And just meet all the other Fuzz Buckets right in that tunnel. Yes, it would. It, it takes the charm, because we love ripping off E.T., it takes the charm of the E.T. ride at Universal and just puts it in Disney, but like not really well done. It looks something like, like you went and visited Lester's Possum Park, and that's what it looks like. I would be all about it. <laughs> I can't wait for the new hit Fuzz Bucket musical produced by Disney to come to uh, Broadway. It's going to be great. We'll, we'll leave it to TikTok. Oh my, this is, this, oh my God, this is prime. We're going to get this trending. Oh my, yes. This, this is, is prime, this is prime for, TikTok. for TikTok. Yeah. This would be perfect for TikTok. All right, we're, we're going to get on this later. All right, well, we, yeah, we're going to reconvene on this, but but first though, I, I want to say, Scott, thank you so much for finally joining us on Monoreal Radio. This was overdue, and I promise you, we will have you on for a proper episode because this there was nothing about this that was normal so we will have you on to reveal like a review a, a real movie you pick the movie next you time. can pick it and it won't be fuzz bucket <laughs> but before we let you go could you just please let everybody know where they can find the dyslexic podcast and where they can find you on social media Yes, but before I do that, I'm going to go ahead and say I'm picking Fuzzbucket 2, The Return of Fuzzbucket. Can't wait for that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but you guys can find me um, on Twitter at, at Scott021 or look up Dyslexic. You can follow me on Instagram at Dyslexic96. You can follow me on TikTok at Dyslexic. And you can listen to the Dyslexic podcast every week. Season 3 um, is coming out very soon. You can find that on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. 
Overcast, Stitcher, et cetera, and so on. So if you are a theme park nerd and you like Disney and Universal and all things theme parks or amusement parks, um, I highly recommend you listen to the show because it is a very fun and wild time. Well, Scott, thank you very much again for joining us on Monoreal Radio. And we want to know what you guys have to say. Have you seen Fuzz Bucket? Let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio. You can also email us, monorealradio at gmail.com. Stay tuned. We're going to announce the winner of last week's contest. That prize is a Monoreal Radio t-shirt and a straw charm from Hidden Mickey Supply Co. We also have some news to discuss, but first, a quick break. Hey, guys. My name is Mike. I listen to Jackie and Sean's podcast every week on my commute into work. So I reached out to Jackie, and she helped me put together the perfect getaway. I did a four-night Disney cruise ship, and she was able to answer every question that I threw at her. She put together the perfect dates and an insurance plan that made the whole experience stress-free. She was able to help me with little tips and tricks, like you can get a Mickey Mouse bar delivered to you any time of the day. And I think that was a mistake, because now I put about 10, 15 pounds on. I'll definitely be using Jackie again in the future. Thanks for everything. So if you would like some completely free assistance planning your Disney trip, you can get in touch with me through any of our social media outlets, or you can email me at j.zolezzi, that's Z-O-L-E-Z-Z-I, at MagicalVacationPlanner.com. News this week, more on the Disney Movie Insiders and how they are pivoting. We discussed for a while, we didn't know exactly how they would pivot once Disney Plus launched and seemingly they were phasing out your home video releases. They've made some changes, but they did something that I think really is going to fulfill the needs of you and I specifically, right? They're launching a podcast, which I love because... It seems like what they are going to be doing is more of the behind-the-scenes stuff. They're going to be doing a lot of interviews. And the, the, the big box that I think that this checks for us is th- exactly that, the behind-the-scenes stuff. One thing we have been concerned with with Disney Plus is as titles go there, you lose those featurettes that you would get on a Blu-ray or a DVD. And I sort of feel like this is going to supplement losing those featurettes as slowly but surely home video releases are going to be phased out and everything will eventually move to streaming. That's what I'm hoping for because they do have the D23 Inside Disney podcast, but I feel like that is a bit more park-centric. They will do certain interviews for bigger releases. Like, for example, they just interviewed Elizabeth Olsen for WandaVision, of course. But you're right. They still don't have anything where we're going to get a very specific making of for the film that we are watching. So they're going to lead off. um, Emperor's New Groove just celebrated its 20th anniversary back in December. So they're going to lead off their first podcast with a few interviews from some of those filmmakers. Right. And obviously we know from having discussed that film as well that that was a very long drawn out process. The film the the layout of the film changed so many times. Sting had written all of that music. So I'm interested to hear that episode specifically and see if they kind of give us more information, if we learn more than we knew prior to the release of that podcast. We also got a new trailer release for Raya. That is coming to theaters 
and streaming as a premium service on March 5th. But with every trailer that comes out, I think this movie looks better and better, and I'm more and more interested with every little bit that we see. The scenery looks absolutely beautiful. I think it's going to be sort of in line with what we got from Moana, because as much as we don't love the story of Moana, the animation is just spectacular. I'm not going to deny it that. Um, so I think here it seems like they're going through like more desert terrain and then they're in some kind of jungle terrain and it, it looks really beautiful from what I've seen so far. Yeah. Go see it in movie theaters. If you can go see it in the movie theater. And if you buy it on premium, no, we will be judging you for it. Yes. But you know what you should be buying right now? The Remy ears, because They are already starting to sell merchandise at Epcot for Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. And they keep saying summer. Mm -mm. And we've discussed this for the last couple of weeks. They keep saying summer, summer, summer. But you take the facade of the, the fake plants away and you open up the area and you open up some shops. Now you're selling merchandise it's not it's not just Ratatouille merchandise. It's not just a Remy plush toy that you could get at the Disney store. This is a set of ears that specifically says Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. I don't... I mean, listen, I know it's summer. It's hot all the time. But I don't know what Disney categorizes as summer anymore. Because I don't see us having... At this point, I don't know that we're going to have to wait until Memorial Day to get this ride open. I'm also less suspicious because if they would have released this these ears in conjunction with the Festival of the Arts and they were selling them, you know, how figments sort of become the mascot for yeah. all of the yeah, festivals. Yeah. If they had done that at the very beginning of 2021, I would be less suspicious of it. Um, but what I really like about this is that, you know, as much as I love my figment, I feel like Remy is also becoming very much a mascot for all of the festivals. And what I'm hoping that they'll do is really lean into this idea of anyone can cook. Um, And I'm hoping that we see maybe more interaction in the pavilions along those lines. Like maybe they start offering cooking classes and get kids involved creatively and show them how much fun cooking can be. And that, you know, as I said, anyone can cook, lean into that idea and and spark that creativity within the kids. I would right. do it as a ticketed event. I would totally do that. Go make pasta in Italy or crepes in France. Well, they had been doing a lot of demonstrations in conjunction with the Wine and Food Festival. Obviously, last year, notwithstanding. Of course. But as things become a little bit more clear, as things become a little bit more lax, as we're really starting to put 2020 behind us, I think it's a really smart idea for them to sort of have two mascots for Epcot. I love what you're talking about with giving people, especially kids, an interactive experience that goes hand in hand with those pavilions. If you can sort of have Remy as the world showcase mascot, and then you have the future world mascot stick with Figment and finally, finally, redo that ride because journey into imagination is so in desperate need of a renovation it's it i think you need the dream finder back we've talked about this time and time again but i feel like with all of the construction that was halted with all the projects that got pushed back if there is a time for epcot to really 
do a full rebrand. And obviously, that was their big parks project. I, I think that was an even bigger project and more important than the Star Wars Hotel. If you really, really want to do a proper rebrand, you redo Journey into Imagination. And I think that even though it's the same park, I mean, it, Mickey Mouse is the universal mascot of the Disney Corporation. But where you have Mickey, you have Minnie. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like there is an opportunity to Epcot, for Epcot to have those two mascots. Right. Especially because those worlds do feel so different. Like, at, at times, I do feel like I'm in two different parks Yeah, at Epcot. And I feel like when we go, we'll go for different reasons. Like, you either want to go and hit the rides and go on Test Track and Soarin', or you're going to go, you know, later on in your day and, and just go get some food. But, um... Yeah, I I think it would be really cool. I mean, the the demos are great, but I feel like those are also geared more towards adults, especially if you do something like a wine pairing. Right. I feel like to give kids that experience and really get them hands-on, I think they could do a lot with it. Yeah. And we want to know what you guys have to say about Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. Is it opening? What is summer? Let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio. You can also email us monorealradio at gmail.com. Another rebrand, and this one I think I think it shook a lot of people because it is a fan favorite. The Jungle Cruise in both Disneyland and Walt Disney World are going to undergo a renovation, a rebranding. I think right now is a good time to do it because obviously your park attendance for you know, reasons beyond our control are not quite as large as they have been in the past or will be in the future. And I think there's going to be a renewed interest in the Jungle Cruise specifically with the release of this film coming up. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to rebrand it towards the film, but think about Pirates of the Caribbean. That was a ride that had to be changed, had to be retrofitted, had to be renovated for a multitude of reasons, but I'm talking specifically about adding Johnny Depp because Pirates became such a franchise for Disney. You had to shut down a marquee ride when attendance is high and interest is high. Doing it right now with Jungle Cruise is probably a good idea. I feel like the reasoning behind these changes would have happened regardless, but I think you're right. I think they are trying to strike while the iron's hot as far as the park attendance being low and getting it in before this ride really peaks again with the film. Um, as I understand it, and, and this is what I appreciate, Disney really knows their audience. All they did to Pirates was add Johnny Depp to the ride because the films got so popular. They're not making huge changes to the ride. They're still going to have most of the scenes that we know. All they're doing is making a few more timely adjustments, and they're going to change the script up a little bit so that there's one cohesive story as you're riding through. I'm hoping that they have this done, though, before they do the Jingle Jungle Cruise again. You know, here's the thing. It's Disney. When a ride goes down for renovation... It's down for seven months. I don't know that they're going to have it open in time or what exactly their timeline even is. But I think to do it now and have it reopen by the time you have, as you pointed out, and as I pointed out, renewed interest in the ride because you've got this big theatrical release and the park attendance is back up. It just makes sense right now. 
I'm interested also to see if it's going to be one of these stories where East Coast and West Coast mirror each other, or if there's like a part one and a part two, where you don't necessarily need to see both versions, but you will get a continuation if you see one version and then the other. I hope so. I I hope that it is kind of a different experience and you get something on both coasts. We're interested in knowing what you have to say about the changes coming to the parks. We're interested to know if you're going to listen to the new Disney Insiders podcast, how, how you are planning to consume Raya in movie theaters. You can let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio or email us monorealradio at gmail.com. It's finally time to announce the winner of our contest. We had quite a few people enter because, listen, everybody likes a Monoreal Radio t-shirt, but I'm telling you right now, we had a lot of people that fell in love with those straw charms from Hidden Mickey Supply Co., and we are happy to announce that Ashley C. is the winner of our contest. Thank you, everybody, for entering. Ashley, we will get in touch with you via social media to send your prize package out. Thank you all so much for joining us this and every week on Monorail Radio. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Thank you to I Am Maddie 11 on iTunes for your five-star review. We greatly appreciate them. Of course, you can follow us on our social media. Links to all of that is on monorealradio.com. We hope you guys can stick around for the next few weeks and that What the February doesn't get too wacky for you. But I am going to tell you right now, we've never seen it. We just picked it based on its title. I want to know what the February the Apple Dumpling Gang is. So we will see you guys next week. For Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. On behalf of Monoreal Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of.